Our scripture today comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we though many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy, and proportion to our faith, if service, in our serving, the one who teaches, in his teaching, the one who exhorts, in exhortation, the one who contributes, in generosity, the one who leads, with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As you're being seated today, we are beginning a new three-part sermon series. So uh, just uh, just saying to you, the forgiveness series is over. I know for some of you, this has created uh, great, uh, difficult homework. And, uh, and just because the series is over doesn't mean the homework assignments that uh, may not continue to roll out. But uh, this morning, we are going to talk about uh, a three, do a three-part series beginning today on serving, on serving. And this passage is all about uh, body language, not body language and communication as you uh, might think about, but body language in the sense of what it means to be in the body of Christ. That the church, there are different images presented in Scripture for what it means to be us in this room and uh, those other local churches spread out all across the globe this morning. And one of those images is, those metaphors, is a body, a human body. And that's what this passage is about. So keep that in mind. And in light of that reality, then, we discover three principles for how a church is to be a serving church or a healthy body. Number one, think soberly about yourself. Paul, the great apostle, even in giving this instruction, says, For by the grace given to me. He, he opens up with a humble, clarifying statement. I think as I think because of God's grace. He can only speak of God, God's grace. And this guards his audience from speaking, that, from thinking that he is speaking from his own authority, from his own wisdom. No, he says, I'm speaking on, on, as a result of the grace of God. What does he say? Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. All right, so how does that look? All right, so let me tell you what it isn't. Sometimes in discovering what something isn't, we learn better what it is. It isn't what I call worm theology. Worm theology says, I'm a worm, I'm a worm, I'm a lowlife, I'm no good. It isn't that. The problem with worm theology, which many people espouse to, right, just put yourself down, and then that is true humility, is that it still focuses on who? You. 
Right, it's I'm a, I'm a. That's not what we're looking for. That's not what Paul is saying. He says, rather think with sober judgment. I would just put that in a summary statement. Be real about yourself. All right? Be real about yourself. We all have limitations. Amen? And the older you get, the more obvious they become. Uh, they, they just do. It's a fascinating thing that the older you get, the more obvious the limitations become. I remember when I first got my mountain bike, uh, someone who's sitting in this room today said, hey, let's go riding. All right, let's go riding. Like, okay, let's do it. So it's my first trail ride ever. First one ever. So you would assume that this person, being uh, having my best interest at heart, B.G. Gillum, would, <laughs> would take me to a wide, easy trail. No. No. If you've ever heard of Kazuma, all right, if you've ever heard of Kazuma, B.G. says we're doing Kazuma. Okay. I don't know what that is. I remember being on my bike and coming down that mountain praying to God to forgive me for thinking so little of my wife and children, to put myself in such bodily potential harm. It is so steep at points for me who's never spent hardly any time on a bike that I think, well, if I were to get off the bike, we would just go together. Like, I, I can't even hold my bike back. Meanwhile, BG's just like, zoom, 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 zoom. Why? Well, he grew up riding dirt bikes. He knows no fear. He's, that's just BG, right? I, I did not grow up doing that. I know fear. And uh, I did not realize what I was getting into. Uh, if, if BG had said, I never would have gone. After we finished it, he said, you need to go get a sticker. Like, no, I need therapy. That's, that's what, not a sticker, I need help. Uh, be real about yourself. What does this mean? Paul answers that for us. How do you be real about yourself? According to the measure of faith that God has assigned. All right, so there are some things that you do and other people go, oh, there's no way I could ever do that. Well, it's not because you're so cool It's just because God's given you that faith. Do you see? That's what this is. God's given you a certain measure of faith to be able to lead, serve, go, whatever. Like some of you are sitting here and say, I would never, ever go to Ecuador. I just would never do that. I can't get, I don't even do planes. I've never, never been on a plane. Don't ever plan to be on a plane. That's where you live. That's the world you live in. You think that all of the folks who go to Ecuador are super spiritual people. Well, newsflash, I went with them once. They're not. All right, we're not. No, no, it's just God's given us that measure of faith to go to Ecuador, but he's given some people a measure of faith to sit with your kids in the preschool department this morning. And some of you are saying there's no way ever. Like I kill those kids, right? It's just because God hasn't given you that measure of faith. That's what he means here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 11 said, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. All right, so you can do what you can do because God has done what he has done. 
Don't forget that. You can do what you can do because God has done what he has done. That's how it works. You can serve as you can serve because God has given as he has given. That's how the body comes together and becomes the body of Christ. Is that we are all gifted. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But as it is, God has arranged the members in the body, each one as who? He chose. Wow. God knows uh, where he needs someone. Every single time I sit down with somebody who says, God has called me to become part of this church. I'll say to them, the reason he has done that is because you need us and we need you. Just back and forth. You need us and we need you. It's a, it's a, it's a two-way deal right here. God would not add anyone to this church we did not need. And he would not add anyone to this church whose needs we could not serve. That's the church. That's the body of Christ. It is a spiritual thing. This isn't the country club. This isn't, oh, they've got this is good and that's good and I like the way this is. And so I'm going to sign up. No, 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 no. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This is God's people in God's place in this county doing his work, his way for his glory. Amen? That's the church. So think soberly of yourself. We say, Jerry, how do I figure, figure this out? Glad you ask. So this week or today... After this service, you'll get an email going out to everybody here. So if you don't get an email, we don't have your address, but you'll get an email, and that email will have a spiritual gifts inventory. Just take that inventory. That's the beginning point. This sermon series will cover three parts of who you are, your spiritual gifts, your passion, and your abilities. It'll cover those three things. So today is talking about gifts. Uh, so think, uh, think soberly about yourself. Number two, think highly of others. Look at this, verse 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, like physical human body, right? So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members uh, one of another. All right, so just like your human body works, so works the body of Christ. That's what Paul is writing here. So, so let's talk about the human body for a little bit. A slew of medical people in the building, you know what I'm talking about. The human body has 640 muscles. 640 muscles. Some of you are saying, I think I'm way low on that category. They're there somewhere. Um, 206 bones. 25 feet of intestines. Ugh. If you traveled from Asheville and flew all the way around the world and back, that would be equal to the length of the blood vessels in your body. 50,000 miles of them. The human body is so intricate. It is so amazing. It is designed. But you know what? I'm just saying probably most of you do not wake up this morning and look in the mirror and go, oh, I hope those blood vessels are doing well. No, you, you put makeup on this face, right? You, you fixed up what you can see. Uh, you did not think much or uh, about what you cannot see. That's what you did. And so we tend to think that way, don't we? We tend to think more highly of the more visible parts of the human body. And we tend to think more highly of the more visible parts of the church. But we should do neither according to 
Paul. Why? Because those inward parts that you cannot see, guess what? They matter significantly, do they not? Uh, Most of us do not go to the doctor for just to have a better face. We, We go to have a better heart. To have better lungs, we go for those reasons. In a word, then, it means we need each other. God has created the church to completely rely on one another. Isn't that amazing? He's made us to lean in on one another. Philippians 2, 1 through 5, love this passage. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, Paul writes, from prison, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. Do you know what Jesus prayed in John 17? I pray that they will be what, church? Say it loud. What? One. Do you know what Paul is saying here, writing to the Philippians? I pray that you will be what? One. The same mind. Unity is crucial to the heart of God. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. How dumb would that be, right? Fighting against oneself. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's there for the taking, if you will indeed think like that. Well, let's make this intensely practical. Do you realize that in order for you to sit on the chair on which you sit this morning, somebody came Friday night and set it up. They put your chair in its spot. There's a teams of people who come in here every single week led by Denise Taylor, and that's what they do. They put chairs out so that you can sit on them. While you are worshiping this morning, somebody is in a building next door praying for you. They're on our prayer team, and they're praying during the service for you. While you are worshiping this morning, someone is watching your screaming kids. All right? They are while you're worshiping. In order for us to get people in and out of the parking lot, our parking crew showed up early to make sure that happened. God, who is big enough to do it all himself, has given the ministry to us. That's incredible, isn't it? Like God who is big enough to do all of it himself has said, here, you you, you got this. That's a vote of confidence, isn't it? That's a vote of confidence in the church. Don't think too highly of yourselves, but think highly of others. And then third, serve faithfully. Look at verse six, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. I love this. Do what? It's not super, super difficult, is it? Use them. There you go. That's all you got to do. Just get in the game, right? Use your gifts. Whatever gifts you have, show up and, and do them. So, so simply put, do what God has designed you to do. Let's go through the list. This is not an exhaustive list, but, it, but it's pretty comprehensive. So let's go. Prophecy, uh, prophecy according to your faith. So what is prophecy? Prophecy in the New Testament is Forth telling, F-O-R-T-H, not 
foretelling. The only prophetic book in the New Testament is the book of Revelation. You have a couple of things uh, in uh, 1 Thessalonians and other places about the return of Christ. But the gift of prophecy is one of speaking truth into the current reality of life. All right, so, so if you're a life group leader and you have the gift of prophecy, that's a good thing. Somebody's erring, right? Especially if you lead teenagers in a life group. It's a good thing to be able to look at them and speak truth into their lives. Why? Because every decision at that point just is huge. Uh, service in your serving. Uh, it's fascinating how it says, and service in your serving. Do you know what serving is? It's serving. Like there's no two ways about it. It's serving. Uh, people who love to serve, you're doers. You want to work. You despise meetings and you, you hate them. You just want to do like, don't make me plan it, just plan it and I'll do it, right? If that's who you are, your gift is probably service and uh, so many ways that happens here. Teaches in his teaching. If God has gifted you to teach, guess what? You won't be happy until you are. You won't be happy. I love to teach. It is one of my top three spiritual gifts. I love to do it. I love to teach. I teach here. I teach uh, on, at Montreal College on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 and 9 a.m. Uh, a bunch of freshmen, right? Uh, they come in there and, and they're all over the map. They're just all over the map in their faith. And, and you know, the, some of them went to easy high school and they don't know how to do anything. Right. And they're just, they're just, they're just everywhere. Just everywhere. I'm just right now teaching Psalms. And one of the things we teach about Psalms is the different kinds of parallelism in the book of Psalms. And it helps you to understand that they're synonymous and synthetic and antithetic until last week. And I discovered there's athletic. Yeah, yeah, one of my students said that is an athletic parallelism in that psalm. You never know. But I love to teach, I love to teach, exhort. What is exhort? Encouragement. That includes speaking the truth. It's similar, similar to prophecy, but you're able to encourage and you're able to speak the truth. I call those encouragement sandwiches, right? If you're a good exhorter, you start off with something good, insert the uh, and, and you end with something good. Right? So good people, good at exhortation, will do that. They'll tell you what's good. They'll go, oh, that should be better. And then, oh, this is good. And, and hopefully the last bite of the exhortation sandwich doesn't leave you with a foul taste in your mouth. Right? You're ready to change. Contributes in generosity. Uh, generous people, uh, uh, the, the word generosity means simplicity. Not overcomplicating the giving process. That has been the case for years at this church. Uh, the, the, the largest donors to this church in different ways have never, ever, I, I don't know who gives what. So they've never come to me and said, I give this amount and therefore this should happen. That has never once happened at this church. Not a single solitary time in my almost 18 years here have I heard that. No, if you have the gift of giving, you love to give. You can't wait to write the check. There's something about you that says, I want to give. Uh, so you do that with simplicity. Leads with zeal. Leadership takes stick to itness. It just does. If you're going to lead, those who lead get all the mud all over their faces. Right? You do. You hear what others do not hear. You experience what others do not experience. Leadership is costly. It is difficult. 
And so at Grace, our elders, our, our, our staff, we lead out in ministry, our administrative teams, and then finally show mercy. How do you do that? With cheerfulness. All right, so we have a robust mercy ministry at this church. We have a food pantry that serves over 4,000 people a year. We have benevolence ministry that helps people get back on their feet after uh, a, an unexpected event has happened in their lives. We have a Christmas ministry that comes alongside families and helps those families by matching dollar for dollar what they save toward their own kids' Christmas. We, we have a roofing ministry that puts roofs on houses of people who cannot put roofs on their own houses. We lead out in Lunch Bunch and are partnered with, uh, by that with other churches all around the county to feed and to serve the poor, uh, those who cannot afford to uh, pay for their kids' meals in the summertime. We served this past summer over 550 kids in Lunch Bunch in this county. We have these ministries, a wellness ministry that reaches out to people who will not hear that message of wellness unless they hear it in a place where it doesn't cost to hear it. We, we just, we're blessed to do that. But do you know how you do it? You do it with cheerfulness, right? If you don't have the gift of mercy, don't serve in that ministry. Why? You're going to judge everybody who walks in the door. Well, I think they get a job. Well, if they just do this, they'd probably be a, you know, and and you're just, no, we don't need you interacting with them. That's all I'm saying. Find something else to do. Don't do that. Why? Because you're judging. You can't help because you're judging. Just go do something else, right? That's how the body works. So here's how this plays out. Here's how it plays out. I love this. Heard it years ago. Went back and tried to recreate it in my mind. Um, but here's how it works. Uh, in my house, there is one thing we despise, and that is spilling what? Sweet tea. Have you ever done that? What does it do? Uh, it just sticks to everything. All right, so here's how this works. Someone spills sweet tea. The person with the gift of prophecy says, I knew that was going to happen. <laughs> Saw it coming. The person with the gift of service runs and grabs a mop. The person with the gift of teaching says, let me show you how to hold your cut better next time. The person with the gift of exhortation says, you know, you're not the only one to spill tea. But if you're going to go the rest of your life without spilling tea, these three things will have to happen. The person with the gift of giving already has another cup of tea ready. Holding it in their hand. The person who leads makes sure the mop gets back in the closet, the towel to clean it up gets put in the washing machine, and the floor is completely uh, 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 sticky free. That's the person with the gift of leadership. The person with the gift of mercy says, I remember when I I spilled tea once. I know how that makes you feel. All right? That's how all those gifts work together. Right? You just get all those people in the room at the same time, and that's exactly how it will work together. And that's how the body does what the body does. Amen? That's how the church does what the church does. It's like all of us doing our thing, and God has gifted us, and one is not more important than the other. Just because I'm visible doesn't mean that I matter more than you. No, not at all. Not at all. We're all doing what God has gifted us and called us to do. Do you know when this is most pronounced at grace? Big events. 
If you've been at Grace any period of time, big events is where this is most pronounced. Why? What happens? In the big events, this is what happens. Uh, Night to shine. Uh, kids camp. So night to shine here is where we do a prom. It's coming up in January. Our team's getting ready to get revved up and get that going. Come, I mean, in February around Valentine's Day for people with special needs. It's an amazing night. Unreal. This whole campus is transformed. And uh, wow, what an, a special evening for, I think last year, like 200 people with special needs. It was pretty amazing. Kids camp is our version of Vacation Bible School, and this set looks unbelievable, and, and Betty Ross just leads, and everything just flows and goes, and, and all the teams are in place, and it takes hundreds of people to do that, and we just see this body work in those times. So when is it most needed? Week in and week out. All right, so that's wonderful. That's absolutely wonderful, and I commend you. So now I, who also have the gift of exhortation, I'm about to give you an encouragement sandwich. All right? That is good. What isn't good is that some of you come to this church every single Sunday and you love it and you love the whatever, the singing, the preaching, the whatever it is, you love it. And then you go home. And then when that big event comes, you're going to sign up and you're going to serve and you are going to be gone. And... And we need you every single week. All right? Every week. Not just twice a year. Every week. So if that is you, somebody came up to me after early service last week when I just said any announcements. Some of you are sitting on the bench. He said, you were looking straight at me. (laughs) No, that was the Holy Spirit. All right? Just giving you grief. All right. So you say, well, Jerry, how do I sign up? Uh, what do you do? So next Sunday, our early service is at 9 a.m. And we will have uh, around the perimeter and outside tables set up representing 26 different areas of ongoing ministry. All right? 26. You'll be able to go, grab a little bite to eat. We'll have good coffee. Every table will have its own ba- uh, basket of good food, uh, plate of good food, good coffee, We'll start early at 9. We'll finish at 10.10. We will do that until 11.05. Start our second service late. You'll have a card, and you can sign up uh, on that card for any ministry that you want to serve in. Just that simple. All right? We'll do that next week between the services. And we will see how God takes you and gets you off the bench and into the game and serving. So, so very excited about it. Let's pray. Lord, it's a good day. It's a good day for our nation. It's a good day for our church. And it's a good day for some people who are incomplete and they feel it because this giftedness they have has been sitting idle. So I pray that they would uh, sign up and jump in and serve and do as you would have them to do. May your grace abound to them in tremendous ways. Lord, you're good all the time, and your love endures forever. Amen. We're going to sing an old hymn to close with this morning. Uh, This is why, and I loved Joe's prayer. Thank you, Joe. Uh, While today is great for our country, the greatest debt ever settled 
the greatest peace treaty ever signed was between God and us through his son Christ on the cross. Would you stand? Let's worship together with this old hymn and we'll be done.